to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome back to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is Logan Stump. Jordan, it's starting now. The season is is starting now. The season is (laughs) starting. Baseball might be in a lockout, but MLS kicking into gear. Super draft was today. And now our season previews start today as we are going to be not going in any specific order here, but we are starting where we started last year with Austin FC. If people have been with us for that long, you know, what's fun, Jordan. I was just thinking about this. If this happens, then we get, we do get Houston as the next one. We're, we're kind yeah. of following in order, the same order until we hit yeah. like our other preview that we're going to do hopefully on Friday and have recorded ready for Monday. So, yeah. Yeah, super excited for what we got coming up. No, like I said, no order. We were going to go west and then east like we did last time um, and start with the expansion team, but just you got to get the guests when you can get the guests, right? We're mm-hmm. not going to put ourselves under that pressure. <laughs> not but, again. Not, not again. again. Uh, but, yeah, so we, we will have some uh, – we're going to be doing some Austin FC. Who do we have with us today, Logan? Yeah, so joining us, we're doing Austin FC. So we got the guys from Moon Tower Soccer, which is an Austin FC podcast. We've got, uh, and they're part of the Striker Texas website. So if you guys subscribe to that uh, and go check out their content, it's great content if you're looking for anything in uh, not just Austin, but they also do uh, Houston, Dallas, uh, and they do a couple of the USL teams and stuff. So it's pretty good stuff. Um, but we have Landon coming on uh, and Jeremiah there over there uh, at Moon Tower Soccer. So it should be pretty interesting. And I'm really excited about this one because we haven't really had we haven't really had many outside perspectives as far as uh, from the guests that we had originally during uh, the previews earlier mm-hmm. um, in 2021. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how this all falls into place and, and what their thoughts are on Austin. I've been listening to some of their episodes, so it'll be interesting to see where they kind of fall after uh, some of the questions we ask. Yeah, I'm super excited to kind of get a different perspective here um on austin um we'll, we'll talk some super drafts with them we did get you know a pick um uh first round pick that we'll that we'll ask them about and um just want to say shout out to former philadelphia union academy uh and, and former christos fc and university of maryland player ben bender Great who is who is now going to be uh, the first pick in the 2022 MLS Super Draft, picked by Charlotte FC. So Baltimore, born and raised. Uh, I think his brother played for the Charlotte Independents, which was uh, a team there. If I rem- if I have that information correct. So if so, you know, th- there's a link there at least. But uh, sh- should be good. Wish him the best and i'll be watching him closely gotta get the maryland representation here i was gonna say you and your maryland people man it's a a tight ship they run up there in maryland they're all friends they seem to have a tight community uh i know that the you know following the college teams um that's always fun because they're they're really tight-knit so hopefully hopefully maryland gets some implants of some mc or uh charlotte fc uh fans so um Definitely be watching ahead for that. And your Bobcats are up there, Jordan. So 
Let's go still see a game when that's ready to be seen. Yeah, and uh, we had um, yeah, like Taylor Twelman, a former Terp, uh, Omar Gonzalez, a former Terp. You know, Maryland has had quite a few. At the AJ Dela Garza, uh, quite a few. Um, Zach McMath, I can just keep naming them. Uh, <laughs> quite a few Maryland um, players in MLS and you know in, in the U.S. national team and such. So it's uh, it's a great college i didn't go there but i mean it's a great it's too expensive for me but it was a great college for people that could afford it um and uh produce some really good talent for the um for mls and, and the usa so but we'll go ahead and we'll take a break and then we'll welcome in our guests to talk austin fc and we are back from our break, and we have Landon Cottom and uh, Jeremiah Bentley from Moontown Soccer joining us. How are you guys today? Doing well. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thanks Thanks a lot. We love uh, talking soccer, so it seems like you guys, too, <laughs> do, too. So we're happy to be here. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we stole the page. We, we, we had the Austin TV guys on um, and Top Flight, and we're like, all right. So when Last we see year, yeah. them interacting... Um, with different people are like, all right, we, we need to kind of move on to new blood because we'd always had Hernan on. So it was like, all right, let's do some Moontown just because I was like, you know, they're interacting and, and the striker and everything else. So like these guys know what they're talking about. But yeah, I really enjoyed you guys' show. Just listening back to some of the episodes. It's a, it's great coverage of Austin. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is only our second full season of covering all things uh, American soccer and MLS and stuff. So uh and it also is the second full season for Austin, so we can kind of transition to that. But um, I just want to ask uh, for the listeners there, how did you two get started with, um, you know, doing the show? And I guess how early was it on your radar? Because I know there was the Austin uh, US, uh, USL team that existed for a bit. Uh, there was also the Austin team, I think, that went to Orlando um, for a bit. And then... Um, you know, the, just the constant, like you said before, off air, the the politics leading up to up to this. You want to take that, Jeremiah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll I, yeah, I can start with sort of, I guess, our general involvement. And so, I think it was in October 2017. This tweet came out from Grant Wall that said that Anthony Precourt was possibly looking to move his franchise to Austin, um, which created you know a lot of excitement in Columbus and in Austin um, on Twitter, obviously. Um, and so I, you know, I heard rumors that something might be cooking and, you know, knew some people in the Austin soccer scene, but just like went to a, to a meetup later that month from a group of people who were working to like try to bring um, Major League Soccer to Austin and really got involved from there. And I think Landon, probably you, you were not long after that sort of, sort of started going to the happy hours and then. Yeah, and then it turned into going from going to happy hours and talking about stuff to tweeting about stuff to the great Twitter wars of 2018. Um, and then being at city council at three o'clock in the morning and, you know, thank the Lord, we finally got to like a good vote and a team and we got to talk about soccer. Yeah, I think we we were both just one of several people who has uh, Austin FC looked like it was more and more going to become a reality. Um, there's a group of people who just kind of gravitated towards each other in Austin around that idea. And, uh, one of the supporters groups, Austin Anthem had a podcast and we're putting it out like once a month at the time, uh, Jeremiah and I were the ones who showed up every time. And so it eventually became our show and we, we did that for about a year and then started our own independent show, uh, that became moon tower soccer. And, uh, yeah, we've, it's, I was telling you off air that we've, been doing a soccer podcast in Austin for almost three years at this point. And we've only been playing soccer for about nine months, but uh, it's been, it's been quite the journey, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And one of my favorite examples of that is we, one, one, we were trying to put a show together, right. And there's nothing going on. Cause it's still, it's like, there's a vote and there's, and so like reading the notes of a homeowners association meeting is like somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody who worked for the team, but like come to the homeowners association, like told them like, Hey, you know, traffic's going to be here's We're going to have a plan and stuff. And that's like literally the content we had to share. Cause that was the news about Austin at the time. And we're, 
were either of you fans of any other MLS teams beforehand or just like other soccer teams outside of the league or? Jeremiah has been a, a, yeah. a, a, a fan of LAFC since he was a young boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since, since the seventies, I've been a lifelong LAFC <laughs> fan. Um, but no, I've been, I've been a Liverpool fan for a long time. Uh, just, since my oldest son was really small and I figured out that babies don't sleep and European soccer is on <laughs> yeah. at the same Early. time, that ba- same time that babies are up. So I, so I did that. And then, yeah, I got it. I went to, I went to bank of California a couple of years ago and got to see an LAFC match there and see that 32 52 experience. And it's by far the best live experience I've been at. So I did, I did spend a couple of years as an LAFC fan. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't really have uh, an MLS club I, I followed like national team guys in mls mm-hmm. and that was about it and then whenever the austin rumors started up i really kind of dove in and kind of like took myself to school on mls and just kind of tried to learn as much as i could and watch as much as i could about the league just so i would know as much about it as i could as we were going into this first year so uh I, we we have our own team now but over those two two and a half seasons that i was paying a lot of attention to it i really did kind of grow some affinities for players and teams and things like that so it's Mm -hmm. a little bit weird to like have to root against some of those guys now but i I do have some of my favorites outside of austin fc still (laughs) i was gonna say i think that's the most interesting thing about doing the league wide obviously we have our own um we're fans of our own teams um he a union fan i uh, orlando city fan um, but it, it, it is fun to watch from an outsider's perspective because I do think that it's it's interesting. One, uh, watching Austin just absolutely annihilate Twitter. Uh, I, I feel like if anybody's <laughs> interacting with anybody, any kind of fan base, it always seems to be Austin and on the throne. It's like, okay, what's, what's you know, Top Flight talking about now? What's Moontown talking about? What's the striker doing? Like it just seems every – and I don't know if it's because we have a lot of Austin people on ours, but it just seems like – it's very quiet over on the Charlotte FC side. It was very, very, very loud yes, uh, with yeah. the Austin FC, but it was like, that was exciting. And I, and I think that kind of stems into the first question we wanted to really get into with Austin was how did that excitement play out in 2021? I know it was not a good year, probably in anybody's eyes uh, that they watched the team play, but like, how was that uh, welcoming in a new professional sports team? Because it is the first professional sports team that comes to Austin how, can you just kind of explain how you guys, and I know from listening to the podcast that you guys had, you know, been in supporter groups before, or, you know, kind of retiring now or, or whatever it might be. Can you kind of just explain what that atmosphere was like and then welcoming Austin in? Yeah. So, I mean, leading up, like in those few years leading up to it, there are various points along the way where we would see the excitement happening in Austin. I think inside like our little, our little bubble, we were like, I think this is going to be big. Like this is going to be really good, but there was a lot of people online and in other parts of uh, MLS world who were not happy with Anthony Precourt. And by way of that, not happy with anybody in Austin, it seemed, even though we did really nothing wrong to (laughs) to, to do, make any of this happen. Um, But it was just like we kept being told that like, oh, Austin's not going to work. Austin doesn't deserve soccer, blah, 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 blah. And but internally, as we are doing the work on the ground here, we kept having these little milestones. It's like, I think this is going to be big. And then it would be like, well, no, this is definitely going to be big. But like how big? And in the last like six months or so before the season, I think it became very obvious here in Austin um, among the people paying attention that like like MLS doesn't know what's what's coming like this is going to be like I want to say like the best in MLS but like among the best stadium atmospheres in MLS like that's what's coming this year and I don't think a lot of people realize that but here in Austin it was I think it was pretty clear that that's what was kind of on the way just by the buzz in the city what the uh the supporters groups were doing with um with music and just how like how much energy energy there was not just on a passive level, but on a very active level of the supporters groups, like getting ready for this first year to happen. Yeah. And there's a, a lot of this heartbeat of this is uh Lemurga day Austin, which is the, the stadium band, right? Not the stadium band, but it's supporters band. And it's, you mm-hmm. know, it's drums and it's, bra- it's brass and everything. I mean, those, that group of people, Landon was in it and then decided, I guess he had to choose between like playing drums and making a podcast, but I mean, they've been, <laughs> I don't know, 18 months they've been practicing. I mean, it was it was not like March of 2021 happened and then all of a sudden like this fan experience and supporters experience and enthusiasm 
um, popped up. There were a lot of people who were spending a lot of time and effort like building toward this. And I mean, hopefully people get that and sort of appreciate that effort because I know then also there's the other side of it where people just show up and they're like, oh, like my song is awesome that I just wrote on the back of a napkin today and the whole stadium should sing it, you know, but like there's a whole big group of people that are doing a lot to make that happen. And that was the most exciting part of 2021 because like you said, with the results on the field, the way they were, you know, we all, the experience in the stands and everybody, the community was the, was absolutely the best part of the season for us. I was going to say the minister of culture, when you snag Matthew McConaughey, who I, I think you guys joked about him showing up to like one match or something like that as the beginning of the year. Um, when you snag somebody like that, that's when I felt, that's when I felt this was different when he's sitting in the van talking Verde and it, it, it seemed very uh, unreal. And I, and I can't imagine what it was like in the city just to kind of feel that vibe. And I know it had been very passionate about its college town and now it's become this professional football town. And it, it's really cool to watch from the outside. Oh, yeah. Tear down my whole setup down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a zoom call with him where he like dialed in shirtless from somewhere. Um, <laughs> and just there's like a hundred supporters. The team set it up and it's like, we're going to have a supporters call with McConaughey and nobody do it to expect. And he popped up and he's wearing a beanie hat and no shirt, but I think it was in the middle of the summer. And he was just like <laughs> McConaughey for an hour. Just, I mean, everything you, every, like the guy doesn't act like he's just playing himself all the time. And he was like all over the place. And the marketing guy for the team would sometimes would be like, I think Matthew's saying blah, 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 blah. Like, translate it, <laughs> like translate it back to English. But I mean, it was so much fun. And he came to the, uh, to the Yeti store when we announced the sponsor. And I mean, he's like, he's been, he's been around the sides of it. He's like super entertaining. Um, and it's definitely an identifier for like, there's a lot of people who love Austin who don't know anything about soccer and like having McConaughey as the face of it, like really helps tie that all together. Uh, moving on to like the, uh, to the play side of it. Um, Josh Wolf's first year coaching a team was also the first year of Austin being, uh, in MLS. The wolf out hashtag was trending, uh, throughout the community and fan base on Twitter a lot. Um, what, Oh, I guess one, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, for a first year coach or, you know, first year for a team having that pressure, was it a little unrealistic or was it warranted? And what changes did Wolf make to the team um, to help get them out of some tough spells or may have caused some of those tough spells? Yeah, I think like it was always going to be a tough road for him, right? Like no head coach experience. I, we always said before the season started, I, I would say often that Josh Wolf is as prepared to coach an MLS team as anyone could have been who has never coached an MLS team before, because he had that pedigree and had worked under Berhalter for so long that you had to imagine that if, if one could be prepared for it without having done it, he was going to be that guy, but it was, we expected there to be some bumps in the road and there were, and I, I think it's a little bit underrated how difficult of a hand he was dealt in the season with how many injuries we had with uh, Musa Jice being stuck in, uh, in uh, like visa limbo for, what was it two or three months, Jeremiah? So yeah, we it was a no, long time, no strikers. We finally signed this big striker and we can't get him in the country. And so just lots of things like that happening over and over and over that it was, he was dealt a really bad hand and had to play the best he could with it. That being said, I don't think he did as well as he could have done. And he definitely made some rookie mistakes uh, that you were talking about the, the avid fan base here in Austin. The flip side of that coin is that expectations are high. Like the fans are bringing it, the stadium atmosphere is bringing it. That means they're going to expect a lot from, from the technical staff and the team. And so there is a lot of pressure on Wolf and um, I, like maybe a little bit more than there would have been in a different market or a different situation, but that's, that's the scenario at this point. And I think we kind of decided at the end of this last season, like how much leash is Wolf going to have this year? Uh, I think he deserves until midway through this season. If we're showing some progress and the team looks better, he's, he's making smarter decisions during the games. He should keep his job. But if he's, if he's running things the same way he was, during the middle of last season, then like I am by no means a hashtag wolf out person, but by mid season, if things don't look better, then I, I don't know that he necessarily deserves to keep his job. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, for me, it comes down to like his, uh, 
demonstrating like a willingness to learn and a willingness to adapt. Like obviously he's a smart guy, played at the national team, you know, had a ton of preparation. Um, and he would talk a lot in the post game press conferences about, you know, things being a lesson or like going back to the drawing board or we need to do this differently or that differently or whatever. But I think I would like to see a little more like conversion of that to action, right? Like it's easy after you lose to say like, oh yeah, you know, that was on me. We should have done blah, blah, blah differently or whatever. But you know, he need, he needs to adjust and, I don't know that he has it in him to to like be to come out of the system and play the strengths of the players and sort of make the adjustments we may need to make to succeed in order to to thrive in Austin. So do you think there's like a like you you mentioned, you know, the way that they're playing or um if they're playing better so is there like if they're, you know, bottom or second bottom in the west halfway through you think it's he's out? I think whether or not he is, is still up in the air. Okay. I don't know how, like what Claudio Reyna and Anthony Precourt think about it, but right. I know what a lot of fans already think. And I would call myself uh, on the more forgiving side. And if mm-hmm. we're last in the conference at midway of the season, I think he should lose his job. And if, if I'm saying that, then I think there's most of the Austin <laughs> FC fan base would say that. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, for somebody covering the team, I, I feel like there's more patience with the actual coach in the system and that's trying to work in. But I, I do think what Jordan said, it's like that, it's almost that a year and a half, you get that to that year and a half mark. And, and if things are not progressing that the, you know, the way that they should, I think that's when red flags start to fly up. It's like, okay, something something's different about this kind of, you know, this kind of situation. He's now started to get some players in that are his own choosing. Um, Anthony's, you know, Anthony seems to want to spend money, so that's always really good when you see new, you know, some of those new owners step in. It's just, it is interesting to see, to just hear your perspective on it because I, I, it was, it was like Twitter was ablaze with the wolf out. I don't think I've seen so many people calling for a head so early. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering too. Is uh, you know, from my experience of pre-court, just you know, watching the league and stuff, I, I would actually think that while he wants to spend money i feel like a lot of that's talk i mean he sometimes brings in the players and stuff but i feel like his coaches have always been these type of hires of like caleb porter or um you know um greg berhalter or you know the the crew teams and stuff were not like very experienced foreign coaches or anything coming in so i i do wonder if maybe that will give him more of the leeway than um than anything else. I'm not sure if he's going to bring in like a big Tata Martino-esque uh, coach or anything. Uh, well, I think, I, Oh, I was, I'll, I'll go ahead and start Landon. You probably have a smarter sounding opinion, but I, but I just, <laughs> I, want to, I agree a little bit with Jordan. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of familiarity um, all throughout this organization, right? There's a lot of players mm-hmm. with Columbus experience. There's coaches with Columbus experience. There's obviously almost the whole front office came down from Columbus. Right. And so I do think that, and, now, fans can apply a lot of pressure, right? And fans ultimately are the people that are paying the bills and like the fan experience in Austin is big. But I think that he will get a longer leash from the organization he might have otherwise because of that familiarity and just because, you know, that whole because like everybody's buddies and they're all comfortable together. And so that's something I worry about. And that's where I think like it's kind of on us to push, right? If that if we get to the middle of next year and we're still in last place, like we talk a lot about not being Cincinnati, you know, and being happy yeah. for that. But if if we're headed down that road, like I think we do need to raise a stir. And pre-court wasn't one to really care about the Columbus fans either. So I, I do wonder how much the fan pressure can get to. I mean, this is his final, you know, this is his resting spot, right? Like this is where he wanted to be. So I do think it might matter more. Landon, did you have anything to add about I, I, I wanted to speak to the pre-court part. I think he had earned a, a reputation in Columbus as being cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a question of whether or not he would regress to that uh, right. in in a few years in Austin but so far he's spending in Austin he right, right. built this really nice stadium a state of the art training facility uh the marketing team they've put together a really nice marketing team that's done some really cool stuff uh they've spent on players i know there's early on in the season the like some numbers came up and Austin FC was towards the bottom of the league in spending but it was we didn't have a full roster we only had one DP at the time, I think, or maybe two. And one of them was Pochettino. Pochettino was on like 700K or something like that. And so with just the team we have now and still some big signings to make, we would be closer to 
the top third and could, depending on what signings we make before the season starts, break into the top third, which is what they said they wanted to do. Uh, Claudio and Precourt have both said that they wanted to spend be spending about top third, which puts you uh, in the likes of like Portland, Seattle, teams that can win. You can win with that kind of money. And so um, I think it's fair to, to have doubts of whether or not that spending will last. But Precourt seems like a guy who wants uh, – he wants to be popular as an owner and he wants to, he wants this team to succeed. And it's not, it's not just business to him. Um, he believes in it and I think he wants it to be really good. We'll see in a few years if he gets bored with that and, and doesn't try as hard anymore, but right now he, he wants it really bad. And I think uh, anybody who's had any interaction with him or just like with that kind of bubble of people, I, I think it's pretty, pretty evident. So, um, we'll see, we'll see if he, if he continues that. Yeah. And he's not the only guy, I don't know if he was the only guy in Columbus, but there, <clears throat> you know, Eddie Mark, there's a, another local owner, Eddie Margain. It's probably got close to as much money into it as pre-court does, you know, it's even though pre-court sort of like the public face of it. And there's some other folks, I mean, I'm sure McConaughey, you know, he's on the investment team, but I have a feeling he's like lending his star power and probably like $7 or something. Like I can't mess. He's heavily, <laughs> he's heavily invested it, but we have, you know, I mean, like, I think some of the owners have come to the supporter section and stuff. Like I feel like there's a real connection there that there probably was not before. I will say his settling place, he seems to have taken it personally that people thought, okay, well, you're cheap and then you take your team and you leave. Um, I've always felt like he's like, all right, I'm not to prove somebody wrong. And I I, I do think uh, with, with the amount of cash, I think they, they can bring in was this huge market. I really do think that, that Austin sets up nicely. Um, and that kind of leads into our next question. It wasn't all bad in 2021. Right. There, there are definitely positive that you can take away. And my biggest thing is that, uh, I mean, I, I like it from the fan base. It's a passionate fan base. Um, I do feel like at times it's like, OK, you got to you still have to remember this was like a working jigsaw puzzle that was never really complete. It's a puzzle that's going to continue to be built. And I think they're doing that in this offseason as we've seen a couple of moves happen. But what kind of positives are you guys taking away from 2021 that you can build on in 2022? Well, I think there's some there's some solid connection in the attack you know i mean the addition of sebastian geruzzi by himself is uh, something that's positive to take in and the fact that he can have you know the fact that he, he dropped in and just was automatically the best player on the field now that he's got an off season and he's got a time to work with alex ring and diego fagundes and cecilio and you know some of those other guys and gta and the guys we've added and stuff like i think there's a lot of potential um in the in the attacking force and i mean i think he he has a chance to be a really special player i think we went and looked when they updated the salary numbers, uh, we went and looked, and he's like the 18th highest played player in the league. And there's two or three other guys I would rather have than them, just from like watching a half season of him play. So I think just that time together, um, and hopefully time together, both in training and outside of training. Because the other thing was like we built a team during a pandemic, and they had no right. like social time or interaction or like those things you do to gel as a team. So just hopefully this time and familiarity will help a lot. And we're not doing a dramatic we're adding pieces, but it's not like a dramatic roster churn where a lot of these guys are already familiar with each other and they're not going to have to like learn, learn each other's ways, anything like that. Cause they do have some time together. I think one of the the things that I'll say that is going to be an advantage coming to 22 is just the depth. I already kind of mentioned how depleted the roster was before, but we played almost all of last season with zero real strikers on the team. Cecilia Dominguez, who is, pretty much only ever played left wing. He played some like false nine stuff in, uh, in Argentina and in Paraguay, but he's a left winger. He's like a, a cut inside on the right foot left winger. That's what he does. That's what he's good at. And he played at the nine all season, almost all season. And if he was down, like we didn't, we didn't have a real striker. We're coming into this season with three strikers on the team. Uh, so there's going to be some competition, some pretty decent talent at that position as well. Uh, and then also just depth in other places in the field. So I, I think the main question mark is going to be at the center back position. Uh, that's really the, there, there are a couple of spots we could be a little bit deeper, but as far as like starting or like rotational depth that are going to get a lot of minutes, that's the spot that we need to, to really uh, get some more depth in, but everywhere else in the field, we're going to be two or three times deeper than we were at any given point last season. Yeah, speaking of the depth in like attack now, I, you know, adding Ethan Finley and Max Arudi, who's going to complete his, uh, you know, Texas trifecta that he's got <laughs> going on there. Um, 
you're already having seven goals and one assist last year with Houston. Finley with only the three goals and two assists for uh, Minnesota. Um, what do you think uh, are, their roles will be into this team? Yerudi kind of has been more recently of like a bench player, it seems like, and coming in off off of there um, for some of these teams, not always consistently starting. But Finley was kind of a big piece of Minnesota when they when he went there. What, what do you think their roles will be going into 2022? I, I think Ethan Finley is um... – probably not like on paper right now a starter i think there's a, a possibility depending how wolf wants to use certain guys that he could be a starter come the beginning of the season but mainly just a guy who uh, matt doyle from extra time talks about minute eaters like guys who can eat minutes like at ethan finley's worst he can eat some minutes for an mls team at his best he can be a real contributor and uh i think uruti i think his what he's going to do is we brought in Musajite, who's a young guy, but has a lot of potential, um, all the right tools, but probably needs to grow a little bit more, uh, just with his experience and just kind of learning the game a little bit, a little bit better. Aruti will be there to kind of push him, maybe teach him some, but at the very least be in competition and say like, Hey, Musa, if you're not working, if you're not picking this up, we've got a guy right here we can throw in with, nine years of mls experience uh he like we know he'll be fine we can throw him in i also think another thing aruti will bring is uh just he's never met a shot he didn't like right so yeah austin fc didn't take a lot of shots didn't score a lot of goals and so as we are chasing games last year like because we didn't have any strikers we didn't have any options uh it was mm -hmm. if you if you brought an attacker off there was nobody that you could bring on that offered anything different or anything better. And so I think Aruti and uh, Finley will both bring that, like just a change of a change of pace, a change of strategy, a different option, a different look at what you're doing because we didn't have that all season. I also think both of these guys, they do really well in transition, which is a thing Austin struggled with last year. Uh, we try to break away and either for tactical reasons or for skill reasons or for speed reasons, it almost never turned in anything like a, a fast break transition mm -hmm. moment. And those two guys can both do that really well. And so I think that offers another option to Wolf either at the end of a game or for certain games to kind of change, change up the tactics for certain opponents. And I think one other thing that they bring is just being MLS guys, you know, and having that league experience, mm -hmm. you know, and I think if you see, if you look at a team like Nashville, that's really successful as an expansion team, they had like this core that were just, you know, dudes in the league that to Landon's point, you know, took minutes and really understood the way the game worked. And, you know, I think Austin probably thought we had that with Ben Sweat and Matt Beasler and Lizzie Segura and guys like that last year. And, you know, we got one game out of Sweat, nothing out of Segura and half a season out of Beasler. So I think there's a real benefit to having that veteran presence that really understands the league and the way it works. So that's, that's another thing I'm excited about bringing those guys in. Yeah, and what I like too, uh, you, you've talked about the link between some of those Columbus front office and Columbus guys, but you know, um, Finley being at Columbus at the same time Wolf was, so at least he has that familiarity, and maybe he'll be able to kind of lean on somebody that he has a relationship with to help out if he has any locker room issues or you know, um, knowing what he gets on the field with with Finley. I also saw some uh, some Instagram photos of Finley and Hector Jimenez at a they were at Justin Miram's wedding. <laughs> so I think I, from, from what I've heard and seen, uh, Hector Jimenez and uh, Finley are like pretty good friends. And then I think even, I want to say maybe Stuver was in Columbus at the same time as he was Finley yeah. at one point. So mm -hmm. yeah, he'll, he'll definitely know some folks on the team. Yeah. I thought, I mean, looking at Austin last year and depth is such a huge piece, especially with, with, with the ever changing landscape of what's going on with the virus and, and just, guys missing time injuries um and you talk about depth i think this is a perfect fit as far as at least depth pieces right they're going to give you mls experience like you said jeremiah which is huge because i i think again you can't come over here and smoke a cigarette on the bench or on the pitch or whatever gonzalo wanted to do um <laughs> I, I think people realize that mls is a lot different uh than what it once was and the the rap that it got is not necessarily correct and speaking of raps that uh diego fagundes had uh, a really bad rap, I, I think, leaving um, the Revs. It seems like they had a falling out 
uh, fans were always, uh, it seemed against Diego. He couldn't really find a place uh, with the Revs, but he did seem to find uh, finally a home with Austin FC. He seems to be one of those guys that if you ask him to do it, he does it. Uh, and, and he will play positions that maybe he's not comfortable doing, but at least he will play the position and, and play it to 110%, which is always a good thing uh, when you're building a team. But can you kind of talk about, you know, his importance? I know there was some, some links. I know you guys talked about it where, uh, and definitely the top flight guys always talk about the links of uh, just understanding like he was maybe on the move or maybe they were considering moving him around, but it does seem like he's there to stay for the long term. Can you just kind of speak to his importance and kind of swap down some of these, uh, I guess, strange rumors that seem to be going around uh, the Twitter first or whatever it might be? Yeah, I want to start with the fit part of it because I do think that's super <laughs> interesting. And right. I, you know, I know, and that's what we heard about him in, in New England. And then you know, we acquired him and I think it was maybe his second week in town. He's like out playing foot golf with mm -hmm. supporters, you know, and yeah. he like people met him at the hotel. And he's like, if you, if you talk to, if you talk to people that are like involved, like in supporters culture and go to every game and stuff, I mean, it's Diego Fagundes and Brad Stuver or like everybody's two favorite players. So I think it's kind of crazy how, um, this somebody had a talent that had talent and had a lot of success, but just didn't fit. I don't know if he just did get along with Bruce Arenas or whatever, just like that change in environment and change in situation has created a whole new player. And I think because he's so bought into that, I think you see a bit of that on the field too, right? That he's like, he's play, he's playing for his friends in some way, you know, those guys hang out all the time and he shows up at um, like pickup games with the fans and, you know, all this kind of thing. It's like, he's really, really co connected with the city, which I think helped on the field. And I also think helped in terms of these rumors about him, maybe going somewhere else. And I'll leave this part to land it. <laughs> yeah so the rumors like the way they came about was so bizarre and if the source wasn't what the source was i wouldn't have believed any of it but the source was his father who is also his agent <laughs> <laughs> and so it was all so weird and there was like i don't i didn't there was like some like talk about like release clauses and all this I was like a release clause doesn't make sense on a player like diego fagundes mm -hmm. like that doesn't make any sense at all. And if it existed, you would expect it to maybe be pretty high. <laughs> and so like, I don't think it was Austin FC shopping him by any means. I don't know that they're looking to get rid of him. I would be very surprised if they were. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there were teams looking at him and, and reaching out and contacting his agent, who happens to be his father, who happens to have a Twitter account. So uh, I don't know if if like they're looking to get more money out of the club, like I think he still has two or three years left on his contract. And so it's not really the ideal time to be renegotiating, but um, it, the whole thing was really bizarre. But it, in any case, we are very happy to, to keep Diego because he was uh, probably not our best player last year, but definitely our most consistent player last year. He put in the work every time and, rarely i would say he had maybe two bad halves of a game and was at worst fine like never bad though never bad i was gonna say looking at his passing if you just look at i'm gonna take this off at the ref if you look at his passing i mean he really does he's he's up there in the 78th percentile and passes attempted his pass completion is uh, astronomical it's 96th percentile um, it just seemed like the glue for, that for an attacking player. That's yes. insane. That's right. insane. It just seems like he was the glue that held everything together. And again, I, I think because you heard, I hope they don't tear my set down again, but uh, <laughs> they, I'm sorry, my cats are uh, attacking me for the audio listeners, but um, yeah, it, it seems that it, it, that he had such a bad rap in new England. I think people thought he was just going to bring this horrible attitude to Austin mm -hmm. and he was going to be kind of toxic to the culture. And when we talked to Aaron I mean, Aaron had had personal contact with him uh, at one point uh, early on. And I know a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the Austin FC fans were out, you know, playing football. Meeting or whatever. Too. Yeah. 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 Just having a good time with him. And I think he, he showed Austin that he's there to stay. And I think that was what kind of uh, the heartbeat of the team so far. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a guy who's necessarily like a vocal leader in the locker mm -hmm. room or anything like that. But the way he works, it's just, undeniable you cannot nobody will ever accuse Diego of not trying because he played because of our lack of depth there are a lot of games he had no business still being in with either the injury like like a tackle right. he had taken or the amount he had run no like no business being in some of those games and played a full 90 still 
Um, so let's talk about a DP last year that came over, uh, Thomas Ponchettino. Um, I remember there being lots of hype when this was being rumored and then when the sign happened. I think it happened right after we were done recording with Ernan that <laughs> doing this preview last year that, you know, they, they start really linking the Ponchettino. Uh, but it seemed like the fans got frustrated with him pretty quickly from what I was able to see on social media. It, some saying that he wasn't really, you know, uh, either putting in the effort or maybe just underperforming. And now is already back on loan to River Plate, um, and I would assume probably not coming back. What are your thoughts? Does is this like a get yourself right and come back, or is this a loan and then they will eventually sell them at the end of this loan? And what went wrong? <laughs> well, that's I mean that, that's that's the, what went wrong is the question. I just think he's he was not a good fit for Josh Wolf and Josh Wolf's system, and I don't know that we ever saw the best of him. I mean, it was, he was the first player I remember Josh Wolf specifically calling out in a post-game press conference, and it was about him, about his freelancing, you know, not playing within the system. And that happened fairly early on, and then, you know, that was not the only time. Um, so I think that was, I mean, there's obviously talent there, which is why there's a team in Argentina that's a huge team that's really excited about it. But I don't think he was ever going to work in this configuration of Austin FC. And I can't imagine, I mean, I think that loan was a loan with the intent that he doesn't come back here. Now, if the coach changes at the end of this year and, you know, there's a different system then maybe that's a different set of options, but I just, I, I think it's a, uh, it was the most efficient move to get him out of Austin and free this designated player spot up for somebody else. Um, and they will be kind of done with him. And I think Landon might have a little bit of a different take on him as a player. I think, I don't know. A year ago, we were really excited. <laughs> I don't remember I why now. I agree with most of what you said. He's he's very talented. Like he's a really talented guy, and you could see that in Austin FC games. Sometimes he would made poor decisions in games pretty regularly, either by shooting bad shots or uh, holding onto the ball for a little bit too long and giving the ball away. Uh, Josh Wolf talked about his his freelancing and like in a Josh Wolf system, which is much like a Greg Berhalter system. It's all about the system, right? And so if a guy's not buying in and doing what he's supposed to do that's not going to fly with a coach like that. And so I think maybe they, they hoped that because that's how he played in, in Argentina is he did kind of, he would kind of float around and kind of find the ball and do what he wanted. I think they probably hoped that they could teach that out of him. Um, and that didn't work for whatever reason, whether it's on the coaching end or on, on the, the receiving end of it all, but it just didn't work. And I don't think it was ever going to work. And so uh, I was kind of shocked that they found someone willing to take him uh, after the poor season that he had. But he, I think he still has a lot of uh, like a pretty high stock in Argentina just because he was a kind of a young up and coming guy whenever he left here. And so I think his stock is still pretty high in Argentina, which was maybe the only place he was going to go and, and Austin make any kind of profit or break even off of him. So making that move, um, Pochettino shipped off to Argentina. Uh, it, it caused uh, quite a ruckus on Twitter, this next piece of news. Um, and, and Landon, I, I know you explained this on uh, your podcast over there um, with, with Jeremiah. Can you kind of run us through the, the reasoning and behind why Alex Ring was made a DP, um, or, you know, given a DP spot, given that contract? Because it... Again, I think Twitter instantly wants to uh, overreact to different things. I think you guys talked about this on your show where it tends to be just an echo chamber on Twitter where it's just yelling about and not actually reading the article. They're just out there going, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this seems like a really bad idea. Uh, can you kind of explain maybe the TAM situation uh, and then why Alex Ring was made a DP? Yeah, so I think a lot of people, the, the reason why people are mad is because they're used to the old MLS rules, like the DP rules where you get three designated players, you spend as much as you want on them. Uh, in thinking that way, I think it's completely understandable why would you would be upset that one of the DPs is Alex Ring because last season he was making about a million bucks. Uh, I think on this new contract, it'll be a little bit higher than that. But I think a lot of fans were still hoping for like a bigger name than what we already have. But because of this new U22 initiative, if you use all three of your U22 spots, your third DP player essentially has to be a TAM 
level player. You have he has to be within the salary threshold that you could buy him down with Tam if you needed to or wanted to. Um, for that reason, this third DP either needed to be below the age of 23, that's another stipulation of the rule, or be making below $1.6 million. Um, if you take all of that into account, Alex Ring actually fits that mold really well. It's a guy who only had one year left on his contract. Uh, so we get Alex Ring for at least two or three more years, if not longer. Uh, and then he gets a little bit of a pay bump, which I would say he maybe um, maybe deserves. And then we also free up a bunch of TAM that we were using on Alex Ring to keep him below the DP threshold because there's 400 some odd thousand dollars of TAM that we were using to make him not a DP already. So why not make a guy who you know is a known quantity, very good for the team, make him a DP, he's here for four more years, and then use that TAM on something a little bit more experimental. Yeah, and I think people forget just how good he is. I mean, it, it, it's funny to say that, but it, it really is true. I think uh, when he came over from NYCFC la, you know, last year, there was such a hype around how good this guy is. Uh, probably one of the, if not the top, one of the top CDMs uh, in that central midfield and being able to cover ground uh, and can join the attack when he wants to. But he really does a nice job to protect those defenders at times. And then people, it was like they totally forgot that in a span within a year. And I, I honestly, I don't think you find anybody more stable. And I get the idea of, you know, like you said, I think that they're used to the old rules where I'm just going to pay a bunch of people and they're going to come over here and they need to be international uh, and they need to be guys that I've never heard of where we're scouting from Argentina or Brazil or wherever they come from. But again, I, I, I don't know where you find a better six. Like, I, I just don't know if that exists out there, how solid he has been in the past and how solid he can be if he's got a defense in behind him that he can trust. Yeah, when we would do, like, uh, planning for, like, our post-game review mm -hmm. shows, it would always be like, oh, this guy did this, this thing exciting, and Brad Stewart had these amazing saves, and then and we wouldn't even talk about Alex Ring. And we'd get into the show, it's like, oh, yeah, and Alex Ring did all <laughs> these amazing, you know, defensive things and actually you know, cut off six scoring opportunities and like all this stuff that you don't, I mean, it's not flashy and you don't see a lot mm -hmm. of it, but like when it you dig up in on the, the score sheet a lot. Yeah. yeah. But when you dig into like sort of the, the, the more advanced metrics, you're like, Holy smokes. Like this guy is just like dominating a part of the field. Like nobody, especially for Austin, like nobody else in Austin was doing. And then, and then we'd have to like, we'd throw that at the end every time. It's like, Oh yeah. Alex ring did all the amazing Alex ring things. Next game. <laughs> Was it? I think it was it a Sporting Kansas City game. Which game was it that he? I think he was the one that got the red card. And it was so out of character for him. I think it was the first one he'd gotten in professional sports or something like that. And they made a huge because it just seems so unlike Alex Ring. It's like somebody had taken over his body. And that was it. that was early on in the season too, when yeah. Austin actually was doing a good run um, up the table, where everybody's like, "This is a surprising team." And then it kind of fell apart after that game. Yeah, yeah he got two reds this season. Yeah, and. I think Alex Ring is a, he's a feisty guy mm -hmm. and, but looking back at his record, he hasn't gotten many red cards. I think mm -hmm. that was, that was his first one in MLS. Mm -hmm. I think his last one was in Germany or something mm -hmm. like many years ago. And, but I think Alex Ring was really frustrated this season. I don't think he likes to lose and that's pretty much all Austin FC did all year. And so <laughs> I think that probably had a little bit to do with the way he reacted at certain times. Um, but I'm hoping that with some reinforcements and with him not having to just like do the dirty work for everybody else all this season, if everything goes to plan, that maybe Alex Ring will be a little bit happier and not get some of those red cards. All right. Uh, so a question here about the defense, you know, outside of Brad Stuver, who was like the highlight of the, of the team, like really, I feel like uh, stole the spotlight of the team with how many saves he had to make and leading the league with saves Austin did with 136. Um, what, you know, we, we were going to ask you also about Kip Keller, who was just drafted as well. So if you did, I don't know if you want to combine these into one question here, but just about the back line and are there other moves that need to be made other than just the Kip Keller to make this a, uh, a better defense, especially now that uh, Beasler retired or he moved on, right? He retired. He retired. He retired. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So I guess just your thoughts on the defense and how Kip Keller adds to it and what else they need to add. Well, I think there's no doubt that this was the biggest position of need going into this off season. And we've talked a lot about 
reaction and some of the negative reaction to Finley and Aruti and, you know, even like re-signing um, Jared Stroud. It's like they weren't a defensive player, right? And everybody, everybody knows, mm-hmm. like, we need a top-line center mid because Julio Piscante... Center back. Yeah. Sorry. Center back. Whatever. I called, him a, <laughs> I, I called it a cornerback on the show we did last time. I was, watching, I was watching Atlanta and Georgia. I mean, sorry, right. Alabama and Georgia play and there's like recording a show at the same time. But yeah, <laughs> yes, we need, we need a center back, especially with Beezer being gone. I mean, Julio Cascante does a lot of good stuff, but he's kind of slowing. does a lot of bad stuff. Romagna's learning the league. So I think that is definitely our biggest position of need along with some depth on the outside. And we were, we were so excited about, uh, Keller, we didn't even like think that that was a possibility, which is why we didn't talk about him very much on the show. But I know Landon, you watched I don't know some video. I don't know how much, but can you talk about where he where he fits in? Yeah, I mean, he looks. I think the way I described him on that show after I watched a little bit of film on him was uh, Walker Zimmerman light, like a like tall guy, good frame, athletic, can play the ball quite well, plays good long balls. Um, I don't know that he's Walker Zimmerman, but he looks like a guy who has a lot of the the right tools and I'm not going to pretend to know everything about him, but listening to the people who do know a lot about him, uh, Travis Clark from top drawer soccer and the guys at uh, the MLS outlets were all super high on this guy and think that he's going to be maybe the most likely player to succeed out of this whole draft class. Um, and fills a position of need. I, I did see some Austin FC folks online saying like, well, maybe he, he'll be good enough that we don't need another center back. We still need another center back. <laughs> uh, I think at best, like these college guys, they take a while to to kind of fit in. So like even at, I think best case scenario is Kip Keller is fighting for like that third center back spot this year. Um, but we still need a guy to come in and and just like boss that back line because since Beasler went out, we don't have it anymore. And I think Romagna could get there eventually, but he's still young. He has some learning to do. He needs to get a bit more, uh, a bit smarter, a bit more experienced with his play. Um, Cause Gante is just prone to too many mistakes. We need a guy to come in and be the guy. And Kip Keller might be that in a few years, but he's not that right now. I was going to say, if you look around Europe, you look around the MLS and you, and then it seems like that's the position, right? That's the anchor of the team. As much as they can argue, you need an attacking player that's going to score a lot of goals. You need a, a keeper that's going to keep the ball out and that. It, it seems like any team that you're looking around, if it's a strong team, if it's a team that's, uh, you know, uh, perennial title winners, or if it, it's people that, you know, own the Premier League, like Manchester City and not Liverpool, um, <laughs> Hey, it can be. I was just going to say virtual Van Dyke absolutely <laughs> right. fills that spot. Yeah, Ruben Diaz also fills that spot. I know very well. Um, but yeah, like you said, BVD does the exact same thing. I know when I was reading, like you said, Landon, I was reading a lot of stuff before heading on to the show today. And it does seem like, I mean, this kid, Captain St. Louis, uh, they play extremely well under his uh, captainship. Uh, it, it was a team that played extremely well, got all the way to the lead eight in the NCAA tournament. And, and that's what you want in a guy, right? That's what you want in a kid that's coming up, a 21-year-old that just knows how to lead and is a natural-born leader. I feel like if you're a center back and you can get those things down, and then it, I think it just kind of all falls into suit. And it really helps having a, a keeper like Stuber play like he did last year because I think it adds that extra blanket of protection. And then having Alex Ring in front of you kind of patrolling the midfield too is not going to hurt anything. So uh, we, we always like asking this question um, on our preview. So it feels good to ask this again here as we ramp up the season. <laughs> but our I forgot to put this one on here, but just your what would be a successful season for Austin in 2022? Ooh. Do you have an answer, Jeremiah? <laughs> I, yeah, I have an answer. I think well, I have a worst case scenario. Give <laughs> us both. Yeah. No, I think the worst, I think, well, I said the most frustrating scenario for the fan base, especially the Wolf Up people, will be if we finish like ninth so that Josh mm-hmm. Wolf gets to say that he's shown some progress <laughs> and has a reason to stick around, but we still, we aren't a playoff team. So, like, that's, I think that's like the, because that's, you know, you're neither building nor tearing it down at that point. But right. I, mean, I, I want to see like a sixth place finish. Like, this team with what they have now, with Juicy and GTA, uh, you know, having an offseason and the people we've added, like there's no reason that they can't be a playoff team in the West. Yeah, I think that's that's my answer as well as playoffs. Like if we can get into the playoffs and at least threaten to get past to the second round, 
-hmm. I think based on how bad we were last season that that like I think Austin fans will take that I would take that um, just to see a little bit of progress a little bit of improvement on and some some certain things we have quite a few like pretty promising young guys that uh, aren't their their finished product yet so bringing along some of those guys would be a plus as well but yeah I, I think making the playoffs would be good enough. You know, last year the popular answer for everything was uh, the was the top four of each conference. You know, everybody wants the home playoff game. I was like getting to the point where I was like, not all these teams are going to be able to do that. <laughs> there's not that many spots. Yeah, <laughs> there's not that many spots. There's only the four. Got us in trouble with Montreal because <laughs> it was like yes. we yes. put them in wooden spoon and they they did not get wooden spoon and almost made the playoffs and were challenging for it was a disaster. So we stopped predict, predicting. I, I, it's 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 never turns out very well for us. <laughs> I was yeah, going to our... say if we get there, one thing I think that would be good is I don't see Josh Wolf being like the cynical RSL you know play ugly football and right, just to advance right. kind of i mean we will put our best effort in if we make it in the playoffs so it should at least still be entertaining if we get there there's nothing better than possession football it's beautiful to watch unless you don't get any shots it's beautiful when it's working <laughs> yes yeah uh, so I guess as we wrap it up here, where can everybody find uh, the podcast and where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, you can find the podcast any anywhere you can find podcasts in audio form. We don't do any video stuff, but um, it's Moon Tower Soccer. If you just search that, you'll find it. And then we're on really pretty active on Twitter. So at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter, uh, do a little bit of Instagram stuff as well. And then I'm at Elvia Harrow 87 on Twitter and Jeremiah is uh j bentley underscore atx and twitter is basically my access point to the whole world so i'll talk a lot <laughs> about soccer and politics and celebrities and everything else there but you'll, you'll get plenty of soccer too awesome well thank you for jumping on and and uh doing this for us and we are back thanks to the guys at moon tower soccer coming on and you can find their socials in the description of the podcast or the video if you're watching the video if you're watching the video you saw logan's scarves <laughs> I, I forgot to tell i forgot to even mention that to them as they were leaving the show when we did because we obviously we pause and we talk uh, outside of the show we go up here but uh it was so embarrassing i couldn't stop laughing either and i hope jeremiah see... didn't think i was laughing but then you see <laughs> ashley crawling on the floor <laughs> to put it back up. I never come on again. I do apologize, uh, Landon and Jeremiah, if you saw my wife crawling. I don't know how much you actually saw of her crawling, though. I, I, I saw it. <laughs> I saw the door swing open, and yeah. I see her crawling. <laughs> I don't know how much of this is gonna make the cut, but this is great. I, it was, it, it, but it was, it was. Watch the video, everyone. Yes, please watch the video. It was hilarious. My cat double, just absolutely destroyed the set. Listen to it and then watch it as well because you'll get some fun. So I, I had a hard time keeping my, <laughs> especially when that thing was falling down. Like when it was actually down, and anytime I'd look up at your corner of the screen, I was like, I can't keep looking at this corner of the screen. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I, I got to keep my cool because, um, and I, I mean, this is going to be on the episode. I was so scared. I was just going to keep laughing. I was like, I'm just going to keep laughing because it, it went down and then the door swung open. It was it was wild. So if you are a uh, viewer or if you're a listener of the show, go view it because this is um, this was like top 10 blooper. Like this is number one. This is easy. Like we were really good last year. We didn't really have any mistakes. Like we didn't really have anything crazy happen i don't think like green screen might have fallen or something but i knew it was going to happen once your cat jumped out there because you had said that you were trying to get all the cats out so they don't yes. knock it down and then they did so it's kind of like <laughs> like Chekhov's uh cat yeah. at this point but uh, i might put that as a clip on twitter too we'll see um this is great but anyway uh austin fc uh luckily you know the draft was today so we were able to actually ask them about kip keller which yeah, was nice. that's good and uh, I thought they were very insightful with what they have here. Successful season, they say, is playoffs or, you know, just making the playoffs. Like sixth place, mm -hmm. not the famed fourth place uh, finish that everybody uh, was quoting last year for every team. But 
you know, we don't know them as well as they know Austin. So for me, I thought that actually seemed very high, a sixth place finish. Yeah. Um, I think, do you think they make the playoffs? I'm, we're not going to make our big predictions this early and stuff, but I just want to like, you know, last year we'd kind of wrap it up with our predictions, but a successful season for you, Logan, for, for Austin would be what? Uh, okay. So a, a successful season, as far as like the table's concerned, I, I would say they need to go, they need to be 10 or above. I think that's more realistic. I, I don't, I just don't see this team yet. Like, I, I just don't see one. They have yet to find a center back. They've got what a month to do so. And I know they don't grow on trees. I know a center back's very hard to find uh, on the world market, just because I think there's a lot of center backs out there that have solidified their spots as captains on these teams. Um, I think that's the toughest part about finding center backs, right? Is that they are oftentimes, like we've talked about in the episode, that they are oftentimes the anchor of the team. They captain teams quite a bit. Um, so there, it's not like you can just go pluck somebody off from a different team. And I, I don't know if there's anything really out there right now, um, especially MLS-wide. Uh, a lot of them, if they're moving, they're moving to Europe because uh, the center back drought seems to be happening over there as well. Uh, but it, Jordan, I, I think a top 10 finish in the West, honestly. I, I know that it, it seems a little harsh, and, and I don't know what these other teams are going to do. But I look at teams above them, right? I look at uh, FC Dallas, uh, which is a team I think they do surpass – San Jose, I think, gets better. I, I think LAFC is a, in a rebuild, so maybe that's a team they can kind of sneak up past. But above that, I mean, you're talking about the Galaxy, which I, I don't think the Galaxy stands still. I think the Galaxy have a better squad anyway um, than Austin. Vancouver is building something pretty good there uh, in Canada. Minnesota United, I thought, didn't play very well last year, and that could change quickly. Um, and then you get up into the top four spots, and they're never—they're—they're they're not even close to to those teams. So it—it is—it's tough to look at this and think that you know I don't see them—I don't see them progressing enough. I know Drusy is a really nice addition, and he, he did have a really good half of a season when they did add him in the transfer market. But top ten is where I'm shooting. A nine spot is probably the most ideal, but I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I think a, a successful season for them is kind of where Jeremiah was saying what what might upset some of the Austin yeah. fans, which is that ninth place spot that is enough to show progress, but not enough to um, mm-hmm. make them and not enough to make a move on manager. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I would think I would think moving up to ninth place would actually be a pretty good move for them. Uh, now, of course, it's all relative. Uh, I mean, this is, again, they, they talked about how they're looking to spend in the top third of the league. If that's the case, then the expectations are going to rise. Um, and, of course, none of these teams are done yet. You know, um, I think we got a week or two until preseason starts, like the training starts. And then we have the end of February. So as we go on, if any big things happen, we can address those as we go. And that's why we make our final predictions you know, closer to kickoff here. But, yeah, unfortunately, I do think that uh, as it stands now, this roster, I think the ceiling would kind of be that ninth place. There's just – the West is so stacked, so stacked, um, that I, I think it's going to be tough to kind of break into that. So, but, you know, if they start going out there and spend a whole bunch of money, then we'd have to kind of reevaluate, I think, that as a whole. And, and maybe then we'd be able to say that, you know, it's, I mean, I think Finley helps. I think Yerudi helps. I think, um, um, uh, a full year Darusi Keller helps. fix, yeah, uh, yeah Keller fix, uh, helps. Uh, but yeah. I think, again, as we mentioned, they need another central, uh, central defense, um, center back here, uh, to be able to really challenge. And with the way MLS defenses are, that can make all the difference when you look at yes. Nashville making that trade for Walker Zimmerman and him being the anchor for them. That's the kind of thing they need. And you're not going to get that in a college kid right away. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that's something they need to address. And I'm not saying they won't, uh, you know, Claudio Reina has built teams before at NYCFC. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things that as it stands right now, I would have to say that their, their ceiling is probably ninth place, unfortunately. Yeah. So you and I are in the same thought. I think, I think at nine or 10 spot, I mean, you never want to be looking up at the two LA teams because while yes, they can have, they can be on the mat, they can get up off the mat really quick. Um, 
and that's never good. And then everybody above them, I think, is going to get progressively better. Maybe RSL struggles because they're going to have to play replace Albert. But yeah, yeah, I think I think we're in a good spot there, at least ninth and tenth. Um, it's a tough time in in Texas right now. Really tough time. Yeah, all the Texas teams have not been not been great. Um, okay, so where can we? Uh, what, what are we going to do now? Uh, what was I going to say? Um, <laughs> we will be doing another preview. Do we know who is next? Yeah, so uh, right now, the one that is solidified and set in stone, we're definitely going to be doing Miami, um, unless something crazy happens where we do two episodes recording That's on Miami on Friday. Yeah, we're going to be doing Miami. Uh, might as well knock out like Cincinnati and Houston, Dallas next. But, uh, yes. but yeah, we're going to be doing... Usually I start at the bottom just because I, I start with teams that I unfortunately don't think are going to add too much. So that way, when we do release these previews, not much has changed and you can kind of go back and listen to these previews and kind of understand. So I kind of I kind of try to guess at who's going to be signing people. So I kind of go in and look at Twitter and see, OK, who's been linked to a lot of places who don't usually don't make the big moves. Um, and unfortunately, it does seem like it's always the bottom of the table teams. So. Yeah, uh, Miami's interesting because they they pretty much are turning over a whole roster uh, right oh, before no. our eyes. So I guess we'll see what happens with uh, with a uh, about Sid Austin with the uh, Inter Miami. So should be interesting. Inter Miami is next. I say ninety nine percent chance that it's the next one. So cool. Yeah. Well, if you want to give us a follow, you can reach us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, email us, Stateside Show at gmail.com. And uh, we're happy to be back on the grind doing these uh, reviews, uh, previews, I mean. Um, but so please leave us a review. Uh, that's a way to segue into it. I go. accidentally say the word review. Let's go ahead and throw us one. Uh, but. Yes, uh, we are excited to get started. Hopefully you enjoyed our Austin FC preview with Moon Tower Soccer. And uh, we will catch you next time where we talk inner Miami. 99% sure. If he's the minister of culture, is he all right, all right, all right? No. They're back. (laughs) Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.